Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Good evening. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium for Thursday, August 8, 2019. This is Michael Norris. And I am waiting for my co-host to call in. Bobby is showing on the line, but for some reason, so just bear with us, and uh, hopefully we'll get uh, get Bobby on here in a minute. Um, and hopefully Jerry will be calling in. So I don't know what's going on with this computer tonight. Doesn't look like anything's working. Just bear with me, guys. Hopefully, if we get everybody on uh, and we're able to get in touch with Les Thatcher tonight, we're going to be doing a show talking about uh, Harley Race, who most of you people know we lost uh, lost last week. Uh, Harley's been battling some health issues for a while now. Okay, Bobby, you with me? I'm here. Okay, good, good. I don't know what's going on. When I tried to click you on before, it, it wouldn't connect. Yeah, I hung so up and called not. back. I was having trouble getting through. It was uh, actually kind of funny. So uh, um, hopefully Jerry will be able to get in here in a little bit. But uh, as I was telling everybody, we're uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Harley Race tonight and taking a look at uh, his career and uh, hopefully letting people hear some information and some stories that they've not already heard. Uh, which may be rare because, I mean, so many people have been talking about Harley here in the last week or so since his passing. Um, and uh, one thing uh, I had, when I knew everybody else was talking about it, I had gone on one message board and put that uh, Harley had died here in Atlanta, which is where what I thought because I knew he had been sick and been hospitalized here, but uh Bobby corrected me on Sunday that they were actually able to get him home to uh, Kansas City. He was either in Kansas City or St. Louis. I think they got him home to Kansas City. Uh, uh, best of what I heard and what, best of what I've understood is that uh, uh, they finally reached uh, Vince McMahon and told him what was going on, and Vince arranged to get Harley home. Uh uh, hospital wanted him on a medical flight. It was just a, uh, he had been here for about two weeks. 
evidently he had been on a uh, going to a training camp or to a signing or something and had a had a, a medical thing happen here at the airport or here in Atlanta and they put him in the hospital here and they just weren't telling a lot of people he was here. Oh, man. Well, I guess uh, Jerry's having problems calling in, or he may have gotten stuck at work or something. No telling what's going on with him, but I'm sure he'll join us when he can. But yeah. Anyway, uh, what are you watching, the Falcons or the Braves tonight? I'm flipping back and forth. I saw the Braves was down three nothing, and the Falcons That's just scored cool. and went up. So uh, they uh, well, one thing to, I want to mention we'll here while we're uh, uh, Go ahead. While we're waiting uh, to proceed with the show, this Sunday night in Kingsport, Tennessee, uh, they're going to have a benefit for Sandy and Don Wright. Um, for those that uh, we haven't been on the radio, and uh, some of you uh, may or may not know, uh, the Fourth uh, of July morning, lightning struck the transformer box on the side of the house where Sandy and Don live there uh, and it caused every light fixture and every uh, electrical outlet in the house to basically just explode with fire and the house burnt down in a matter of minutes uh, they lost the house, they lost the uh, couple of cars uh, they would have lost their lives had they not been at a state park camping for the 4th of July holiday. I mean, it burned that quickly and that, that drastically. Uh, Sandy is raising five grandchildren. Plus, there is a sixth one that is under constant medical care in a nursing facility there in Kingsport. Um, they lost everything. So this Sunday night in Kingsport, they're having a benefit. They're going to have a – there's a bunch of items they're going to be auctioning off. I know – I know for a fact there is a ring-worn superstar mask that Bill Eady has donated. Uh, I know that there is some of those. Uh, WWE has donated some chairs from one of their pay-per-views where when you buy the ringside seat, you take the chair home. They're going to have three or four of those, I think, up there. Um, uh, there's some. Uh, there's a University of Tennessee football package. Uh, that uh, Charlie Smith donated. There is uh, 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 there's a referee shirt signed by myself, Charlie Smith, and uh, Scrappy McGowan that we're going to auction off up there. Uh, so a lot of neat items, and I don't know what all they've got. There's going to be a lot more. But it's Sunday night in Kingsport. The doors open at 6 o'clock, and the silent auction and the regular auction are going to start about 6.30. And there's a big, big wrestling show there. And uh, I know Les Thatcher is going to be making an appearance. Mac McMurray, referee with WWE and Southeastern Continental, he's going to be there. Uh, myself, Randy Coran, uh, Bill Bennett, or Bill Bennett, Gene Bennett, who who uh, wrestled uh, all over East Tennessee as as uh, the Red Raider. He wrestled as El Diablo. He wrestled as Gene Lavelle. Uh, he's going to be making an appearance. going to be a lot of people there. So if you can support it, we would love to see you. If you uh, if you can't uh, make it and you want to send something or you can make a donation, uh, 
you'll reach out to me on Facebook, I'll tell you how to uh I'll tell you how to make a donation. Uh anything would be appreciated. So uh they can use it they can use anything we can get them. So anyway, that's my that's my uh plug for the night. Okay. Yeah, Don and uh Don and Sandy luckily they were none of the none of the family was home. Oh, that would have really been a disaster. It just they lost uh oh. well, you lose everything you own when your house burns down. I mean, even even yeah. what doesn't burn up or get damaged by water, and I'm speaking from experience, you know, you never get the smell of smoke out of it anymore. Yeah. Um and it's just, you know, it's so basically it's it's ruined unless it's a very dear heirloom that that is not totally destroyed. You know, you have to uh you have to wonder about whether or not it's even worth keeping. But uh but yeah, that that would be a very good cause, uh to and I'm sure it'll be a great show because uh all the people that are involved in it. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna go ahead and call Les. I told him I'd give him a call about 8.15, but I'm going to go ahead and call him here real quick, so just bear with me. Les has just recently relocated from Cincinnati to Knoxville, Tennessee, so hopefully we'll uh, haven't used this thing in a while, so hopefully it'll work. sure what happened <laughs> it call dropped I'm not hearing it when it dials normally I can hear it when it dials but it's not doing anything we're just not having a lot of luck tonight are we sir no we're not Nope, it's not going to go. It's not connecting for some reason. It's it's. I think this system is uh, about as old as uh, Levi Banks' cell phone. <laughs> it gives you any idea. <clears throat> well, just to kill some time, I know one person who, who does want to be on with us is called in. I'm going to go ahead and get him on our our uh, mid Alabama mid Alabama. Correspondent, let me see if I can get Dennis on. Dennis, you there? Yes, sir. How y'all doing tonight? Good, Dennis. How are well, you, sir? Good to hear from you. Fair to middling. You, <laughs> we can't get anything yeah, working show. on the on the program. Well, I'm sure it'll get better later on, guys. Guys, I was going to ask you, especially Bobby. I was wondering when Harley Race was Booker in Georgia in '74. Uh-huh. Inside ring and outside ring, what did you learn the most about not only about the wrestling business but in life in general from Harley? Harley was the booker when I went to work there. Uh, when I when I came over from the Ang Uncle's promotion, 
Uh, we ran and ran our we ran our last show in Montezuma, Georgia, on a Friday night. Um, and my instructions were to meet Harley Race in the office at 9 a.m. Monday morning. And I walked in, first time I'd ever met him, first time I ever laid eyes on him. And uh, when I walked in, I, I walked back into his office. His desk was uh, uh, him and Jim Barnett actually shared an office. And uh, I walked back, and uh, he introduced himself to me and told me to sit down, and we talked a little. Just in general, he asked me, uh, you know, simple stuff, how long I'd been working, you know, how I got started, who trained me, blah, 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 blah. Just kind of getting to know me, letting me feel him out and know him. Uh, he, I was very comfortable with him from the get-go. He was a very soft-spoken man. Um not to be confused when he was the meanest man. I mean, he was the toughest guy I ever met, uh, I think, in the business. Uh, took no no quarter and gave none. He he was he was tough as nails. But he was very, very soft-spoken, very nice. And he told me, uh, the first thing he told me was, he said, I'm going to use you as much as I possibly can. He said, I understand you're going to be helping uh, redo and rebuild some rings. And I said, yes, sir. I said, that's my, my, what I was told. And he, he said, well, I got some bad news for you. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, Mr. Ward does not want to use you. Mr. Ward was the promoter in Columbus and Macon and, you know, and I asked him why I said, I've never even met the man. And he said that, well, he was, he was, was, uh, didn't want to use me because I had been working for Ann Gunkel. I had been the opposition quote unquote. Yeah. And when he told me that I laughed a little bit and, uh, uh, Mr. Barnett, who was sitting there, asked me, he said, you find that funny? And I said, well, I said, not that he doesn't want to use me. I said, really? I, you know, he's, he's he's judging me, and he doesn't even know me. I said, but I find it funny that he would use the words opposition when Mr. Ward ran opposition to Paul Jones in Atlanta, Georgia, in the uh, early, late 50s, early 60s. Uh-oh. And, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Barnett said, I didn't know that. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember Harley's words to me. Harley told me the story how he got started. When Harley started in the business in Tennessee, his job was to chauffeur Happy Humphrey around. Man. And, uh, you know, that was how he got started. Harley was very young when he got started, and that was his job. He was working, but he was hauling this, he was hauling Happy Humphrey around. But I remember Harley telling me, he said, Bobby, he said, don't give it a lot of thought and don't worry about it. He said, uh, as soon as he needs a referee, he'll change his mind. Oh, yeah. And I, and I and I said okay, and it lasted. I guess that was probably uh, I I was off on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because those were Mr. Ward's towns, uh, uh, which you know it was giving me time at home, and I I really didn't mind. But I guess it was maybe four or five weeks later, or it couldn't have, maybe not that long. Uh, Ronnie West had a flat tire; he had a blowout on the way to making TV on a Thursday afternoon, and Ronnie lived in Cleveland, Tennessee. And he was on the way to Atlanta, and he had to blow out, and he was having to get his car repaired. And he wasn't going to be able to make TV, so he called. And as soon as he called, they called Atlanta needing the referee, and I was the only one there. And Man. Mr. Ward's Mr. Ward word was, well, if it's all we got, send him on. That broke the ice. I never had another problem with Mr. Ward or any of his employees. I went to making TV, refereed, got dressed, and that was the end of that. But, yeah, Harley was a uh, – I just – I learned. I had a great deal of respect for Harvey uh, Harley. He he was uh, when he told you something, you could go to the bank with it. And he was uh, uh, he was he was always very fair and very open, and honest with me. Yeah. 
Well, guys, I was going to ask each of y'all, of all Harley Race's matches when he was world's champion at Fifty, I'm going to ask both of y'all, what were your favorite top three opponents that he wrestled, Michael and Bobby, in y'all's opinion? Well, to be honest with you, I only saw Harley as champion wrestle two different, two two people um, live. And I saw him work with Ron Fuller, and I watched him, uh, and I saw him wrestle Andre. And believe right. it or not, Andre was, he was able to, to, to get a big, you know, a good match out of Andre. Not saying that Andre didn't cooperate, but... But at Andre's size, there was a lot of things that, that you know, and, and the, the style of how he worked, he was basically, you know, people just ran into him and bounced off. And and uh, he worked different with Harley. Harley, uh, I think the two of them must have had a good relationship because, you know, he did things for Harley. He took bumps for Harley that he didn't normally, you know, take. And this was, I saw the match was in either 78 or 79, so... You know, you know, Andre was getting up there in age, and he, his weight was was you know he was heavier than he was in his younger days. But Harley not only body slammed him, he also suplexed him. Oh, yeah. So that myth yeah. that, that Vince put out that Hulk Hogan was the first one to ever slam him is is you know totally yeah. false because. Yeah. But uh, but uh, he and he and Ron Fuller had a good match. Harley could work with anybody. Bobby and I were talking about this on the way to church Sunday. You couldn't blow him up, and for a guy that, sure. that probably smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day, Harley never blew up, and he could work Man. any style. He was just you know he was just so slow and so methodical. You know he just you know, but he never could adapt to any any style. Yeah, never got in a hurry, but yeah. he could adapt to anybody. You somebody know, was telling me with a high flyer. Go ahead, Bobby. Somebody was telling me it might have been you. I don't know. Somebody was telling me he was being interviewed by by one of these radio shows or whatever that they asked him what his workout routine was before a match. Was that you, Michael? No, no. Like, no, me. somebody was. I was talking to somebody. I might have been Scrappy yesterday or day before, and he said that. The guy asked him, he said, what was your workout routine? He said, did you do push-ups? Did you do jumping jacks? Did you, uh, did you, uh, you know, whatever? And Harley's answer was, well, normally I finish the hand I was playing and I put my cigarette out. <laughs> and he said, I'd put the belt on my jacket and go to the ring. And that was, that was he. I mean, that was the truth. He just, yeah. uh, you know, there was never, he, uh, you ask about opponents. I seen him and I refereed a bunch of matches with him. Uh, and, and like Michael says, he could work with anybody. Uh, I yeah. saw him in a tag match in Atlanta one night, uh, I, and it was not a main event. It was just a match on the card. He didn't have the belt at the time, and, and I can't even remember who his partner was, but he worked with Ernie Ladd and Bobo Brazil, and they had such a fantastic match. Um, he had great matches with Mr. Wrestling Number 2. Uh, he had great matches with Tim Woods, Mr. the original Mr. Wrestling. Uh, yeah. Uh, Thunderbolt Patterson and him had good matches. Um, Man, I, I, I'm like, I never saw him have a bad match, and and he just yeah. just whoever he was with, and he could adapt to their style. So it was uh, uh, him and Dusty had great matches. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought the night Dusty won the title in Atlanta, I thought that was a good match, and it was yeah. uh, you know, but 
I hope that answers your question. Anyway, I think he had good matches with a lot of people, but uh, yeah, I just I never I never got to see him wrestle live in person. I did go to that Continental Fan Fest back in 2009 when they had that retirement thing for Bob Armstrong when he sort of quit full time at the Dothan Civic Center and Harley right. was there just congrats congr- giving Bob Armstrong a good compliment to him being a very good opponent. That's the only time I ever seen Harley race in person. Yeah, and all that. That's that's even back when he had a bad back. He didn't sign autographs or nothing. I guess he drove back to Missouri in his Firebird or Trans Am. I think he had. You correct me if I'm wrong. Did he have a brown Trans Am or was it black? He had a black one. Oh yeah. And when I heard about wrestlers saying about Harley, even Ole Anderson in the shoot interview said that Harley race knew one speed. That's going fast on the interstate and right. the back roads. Oh, he did. So he, he was. He was a uh, uh, Jim Barnett was the secretary treasurer of the National Wrestling Alliance, and part of his job was he booked the world champion. So, yeah. you know, me working for him, I had a lot of dealing with Harley when he was the champion, and we were we were responsible for. I mean, I was responsible for uh, you know following up, making sure that uh, you know he got not that he got where he was supposed to, but just making sure that everything was good and he didn't have any problems. And also, I was responsible. Yeah. We would we would his publicity pictures. Uh, whenever we'd have oh, any yeah. publicity pictures made, we were responsible for getting them to the promotions. You know, before he would be there, we were uh, you know different things. But Harley would call me. Uh, I would get several calls a month, some months, and he would say, "Bobby, how about signing three or four pictures and send them to this deputy sheriff or this state trooper or." And he would have an address where he had got stopped somewhere for speeding. Uh-oh. And they recognized Damn. him and knew who he was. And he managed to get out of it. And he agreed to send them some pictures. And uh, yeah, there's probably hundreds of pictures floating around out there that uh, are signed. Yours in sport, Harley Race, that uh, that are signed by myself rather than him. But, but that was just, uh, we did that to take care of the champion. And no doubt about it, he'll be missed, guys. I tell you, he was one of the best ever. You know, he was real methodical, like you said. He wrestled all parts of the world. He wrestled in Australia, Japan, New Zealand, Canada. And to y'all's not, to your knowledge, Bobby, did you, did you ever wrestle in the United Kingdom or not? Ooh. I don't think I don't know, that's I don't know, know if he ever wrestled there or not. I had an office there. Yeah. He wrestled in Singapore, I know. I think he went over for either Baba or Inoki in Singapore. Um, right. But I don't think he ever worked the UK. Yeah, At least not after he got known. Yeah. And, uh, I find that kind of strange that any of the NWA champions, including Harley, never wrestled in the UK, you know. I couldn't understand the logic behind it, you know, the UK would have gained a lot if they had the NWA champion wrestling some of the best British wrestlers during the especially the 60s to the 70s. You would think The only one I know that ever worked over there, well, they were Fez worked over there, but it was in between his, some of his runs. He worked over there uh, as the international champion. I think he spent three or four months over there. And then uh, Frank Sexton, when he was the Boston version of the AWA champion, he uh, 
he wrestled. He did a tour of Europe, at least one tour of Europe. Um, right. In fact, I think he dropped the title over there to, to uh, Henri Duglain, and then regained yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. but those those are the only ones that I know for sure that went over there. There was one story that was kind of funny, but it wasn't in a way with Harley. That thinking his autobiography I bought about Harley Race a few years back that. He got in a fight with a fellow classmate in high school, and the principal there tried to break it up, and Harley punched him, pretty much went to school with the principal, and that's how he got suspended from high school. I was wondering if y'all heard that story. Never heard it, but it, it, it doesn't surprise me. No, and I know he I'll dropped see. out of school and, yeah. and uh, wound yeah. up uh, working for the Zabisco brothers in uh on their ranch, and they trained him, and that's that's how he got in the business. He broke in the business. He was only 16. Yeah, and, he, and all that also amazing what he went through his childhood. He had polio. I think he had child cancer when he was young, and he had that bad car wreck in which his first wife and his baby yeah. was killed in the car wreck. He didn't wrestle for two years, and Gus Kerr, as a promoter in St. Joseph, kept his leg from being amputated. You know, there's a lot of things in wrestling history that could have turned out differently. Like when Gus Kears kept his legs being amputated, and kind of like when Ken Patera talked, talked in Rick Flair and staying in the wrestling business, and that's how Ken, Ken Patera kept him from quitting the business. So there's a lot of things in wrestling history that could have been different if those things, would, the outcome would have been different. You know, you, yeah, in life, yeah. you never know what, what happens. and all that. So I'm going to listen to the rest of the show and y'all keep up good work. I appreciate everything y'all do and have a good night. Thank you. All right. Good night. All right, Dennis. Take care, bud. Yeah, he's, he's, he's right about things being different. If, if Dandy Jack Donovan hadn't been stabbed in Oklahoma City, the Hollywood Blondes would have been Jerry Brown and Jack Donovan instead of Jerry Brown and Buddy Roberts. Buddy yep. was a last minute replacement for Dandy Jack. Yep. Well, I just sent uh, I sent Les a, a message on Facebook to call in. Sorry, I tried him again while Dennis was talking. It's just not connecting. So I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure what's going on with Jerry either, but this may be a, a short show. But okay. <laughs> unless we want to put Charlie on in here. Well, I'll tell you, I, what'd you we, say? Charlie was talking today. Me and Charlie was talking today, and he reminded me of the story of uh, – he was in Whitler City, Kentucky, uh, with Harley in the main event, and a riot broke out. And uh, that was the night when Charlie went out on the floor and hit that fella, and the fella didn't budge. They said, Charlie said he didn't even flinch. <laughs> Charlie jumped back in the ring and looked back at the guy and said, the police will take care of you. And he told me today, he said, he said, I done made my mind up if the guy come in the ring, I was going out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I remember, you know, I this is going back, and I don't remember the exact situation, or I think it evolved from one of those workout sessions at the arena. Um, and it happened on a Friday, a guy called the office and threatened to, said he was going to kill Harley. He was going to shoot him at the auditorium Friday night. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you, you know, you kind of, you get, you hear people say stuff and you don't think much about it. But this guy 
there was just something about it. I didn't take the call. I didn't hear it. I was just there. Uh, but evidently, there was something that was very credible with this guy's voice. And uh, they, uh, I can remember that night at the auditorium when Harley came out of the dressing room to go to the ring. Uh, uh, they had even they had even uh, said, you know, maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't work tonight. And uh, no, he wasn't gonna have that. But I remember when he come out of that dressing room, the city of Atlanta police, the, the you know, of course, the staff that we paid, they surrounded him. It looked like the president being escorted to the ring. And uh, I'll be perfectly honest, I was watching this from the other end of the building because you just did not know what you know was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but those kind of things, you know, he. Uh, he again. He he did not he did not ask for any any quarter, and he gave none. He uh, he just had a lot of people that were gunning for him, and uh, you know, I never heard of one that got the best of him. Uh, he had an incident with a with a state was it wasn't a state trooper, it was a county police officer. He was coming home from Macon. Uh, Dennis was talking about that Trans Am. Um, a Trans Am, and I don't remember what year this was. This was probably 75, maybe, early 75, middle of 75. He had a, a Trans Am was made, the, the console in them. When you open the console, a six-pack would sit right in it. I mean, it fit right down in it, just like it was made for it, which it probably was. But he had a six-pack of beer in there. And he was coming home from Macon. And for those of you who don't know about Macon, it's only about a about a 90-mile trip, maybe a little less if you live on the south side of Atlanta. And uh, this, this uh, he, of course, he was speeding. And this young Butts County police officer stopped him, and I'm pretty sure it was Butts County. Uh, and he got out, and when the cop realized who he was, he decided that he was going to make a... Uh, I don't know, make a name for himself or, you know, show Harley who the boss was. And uh, he asked Harley if he'd been drinking. And, of course, Harley said, well, I've had a beer. He said, but I'm not drunk. And the guy said, uh, he said, well, what do you got in that console there? You got beer in that console? And Harley said, well, that's none of your business what I got in the console. And the guy said, well, I'm going to stick my hand in there and I'm going to find out. And uh, Harley said, if you stick your hand in that car without a warrant, he said, I'm going to break your arm. And the cop told him, he said, you just stand over there and be quiet. He said, you, don't, you know, you're messing with the police now or whatever. Well, long story short, the guy stuck his arm in the car, and when he did, Harley hit him. And they said he knocked him over the hood of that Trans Am, uh, over, the, over the car. Harley went over the car after him. They rolled down the bank. Uh, the guy... The guy finally managed to call for help, and when the captain or the lieutenant or when they got out there and they they finally hashed it all out, they let Harley go because the policeman had no right putting his arm in there, which was one of those things. If that had been me or you, we'd have been under the jail somewhere down there. But uh, mm-hmm. just stuff like that happened every once in a while. Unbelievable. Well, my only, and I saw him wrestle twice live. Of course, I've seen video of him, you know, several of his matches. I only saw him 
wrestled twice, and the only time I was ever I ever spent with him was the uh, the Saturday TV taping before he dropped the belt to Dusty that Sunday night at the at the Omni in '81. Right. Well, I, I was there at the, at the TBS for the TV taping, and for some reason, I can't remember. We left before the taping was over. I don't remember if we we were going to Chattanooga that night. That's what it was. And so um, Jackson and I were uh, uh, left same time Ted Allen did because we were we all worked the first hour, but we didn't work. Uh, neither one of or none of the three of us worked the uh, second hour. So we left and we were going to uh, Ted's house and have lunch and then go to Chattanooga that night. Well, I let Jackson talk me into well, to back this up, and I'm sure I've heard I've told this story before, but. The Friday night before, Mike and I had worked in uh, this little town in Alabama, or in yeah, in Alabama called Fayette, and it was a just just a typical outlaw town. You know, they, we worked at a, at a VFW hall that had no dressing room or had one big room for everybody to dress in, no showers or anything. And the the guy there that, that ran the thing, his name was Charles something. I don't know, I've forgotten his last name, but he called himself the Commoter. A promoter, come over, and he was so proud of who of you know what he was. He'd shake everybody's hand. I'm the commoter. I'm the commoter. I'm the commoter. So Jackson found was rumbling through somebody's desk. You know, we used to sit back there between matches and back in all those cubicles and everything back in the back. And there was that big boardroom with a big t- table, big long table that had a uh, TV in it in the corner where everybody used to sit if you could get in there and sit. You sat and watched the the, uh, the taping, or you know what was going on in the studio from back there. But Jackson found a, a pen and a piece of paper. He said, right "Here, write write this note." And I wrote, "Dear Mr. Harley, my name is Charles, whatever this guy's name was. I'm the commoter in in Fayette, Alabama. I'd like to have you appear on my show next Friday night, and I'll, I'm willing to pay you top dollar. I'm I'm willing to pay you as much as fifty dollars to defend your world title in Fayette, Alabama, <laughs> next Friday night. And as we were going out the door, Harley was sitting in the in the uh, the boardroom, you know, where the TV was, but his bag was right there by the exit, and the the, the world belt was was laying inside. I folded that note up and I laid it on top of the belt and went <laughs> out the door. And as far as I know, he never knew it was me. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if he if he ever got a kick out of that or, or ever he read. He may have passed it on to Dusty since Dusty won the belt. Dusty was supposed to pick up all his books. <laughs> you know that's you know that was speaking, the only time I was ever around him. You know, speaking of uh, of uh, you know the champions' bookings and so forth. You know, people don't. Uh, I don't think people understand what a what a life the champion had, especially that NWA champion. Dennis mentioned them oh, wrestling. Oh yeah, you know. no kidding. I mean, it was uh, it was grueling. Later on, they tried to they tried to incorporate, and even with Harley, they tried to incorporate where every once in a while you got a week off, and uh, you know, or you got to, you know you. But what would happen would be. When that week off would come up, some promoter would call and say, hey, we got this hot angle going. We're going to have a heck of a house, and we'd like the champion. 
and they would they would promise him you know something or promise him the world, and uh, he would uh, you know a lot of times he would go. We uh, in Atlanta we always wanted him here uh, on Christmas Day, and you know asking a, asking a guy to leave his home on Christmas Day uh, that's a tough thing. You know you leave your wife you leave your kids. And that, such was the life of a wrestler. But, you know, at least the guys that lived here, you know, they could spend Christmas morning at home before, you know, we usually ran Columbus in the afternoon and Atlanta at night. Uh, but we would, uh, I know Jim was would fly would fly his wife in sometimes. And he would put them up in a nice hotel downtown, uh, trying to just make it a little special, you know, to, to help him. And, 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 you know, because it was, uh, you know, the divorce rate of wrestlers was brutal, and I imagine world champions, if you checked it out over the years, was probably was probably not great either with all the traveling and being on the road and away from home on the holidays. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it was just a very, very tough life. I would look at one. I wish I had one, uh, a champion's booking sheet. I don't, I, I never, you know, of course, you never think you're going to want one for a piece of memorabilia, but. I mean, yeah, the way out, they were always typed on, on legal pieces of paper, you know, the 14-inch long paper, and it was usually two sheets, and they, they were given to him. Uh, you know, that was usually, that would usually cover, sometimes it would cover six months, sometimes less. Uh, and that's not counting when you, when you would want him for a TV taping and you would fly him from wherever to come in here to do TV and then fly him back. Oh, that, but you add on, you know, you, you know, the time spent in airports, the time spent in hotels, you know, because, you know, it wasn't like he would come to a territory and hit hit every town in the loop. You know, he'd hit one, one or two major towns and then go to the next territory. And it was, you yep. know, he may be in, in on his way to, to Japan or Australia, whatever. But then you add on top of that, working uh, most of the time, the majority of the time, working on Broadway every night. Yep. So you you know you kept the, whoever the top you know star in in that particular territory, you know kept them strong because so you either worked a uh, a Broadway or if not a Broadway you worked a fairly long match, and I know a lot of people think well you know that's 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 only an hour but that's like one person playing an entire football game every night, yeah, and then having to travel to another town and play another football full football game the next night, it you know it's just it it takes a, a special person to do it and is. You know, you know. I, I that's one thing I admire about uh, race and and Dory Junior. Dory Junior. did that for four and a half years solid. You know, yeah. At least you know Harley and and the, and the other guys they would they would drop the title every once in a while. And that's one thing I will give I will give Flair credit for. You know, I don't I'm I'm not a biggest fan of him as, as everybody else seems to be in this world, thinking he's the greatest in the world, but. You know he did it too, and it's uh, well. You know, and something else too you have to think about too. And you know, Flair said. I remember when Flair did the interview right after, right after uh, McMahon bought WCW. You know, Flair did the interview where he said, "Mr. McMahon, where were you at when I was in Kansas City doing an hour with Rufus R. Jones?" Mm-hmm. You know, you go into these territories. Not every guy that, not every guy that's that's the top dog. This drawing money is a Mr. Wrestling, a Mr. Wrestling 2, a Jack Briscoe, or a, 
you know, or Les Thornton for that matter. You know, sometimes you go in there and it is a Rufus R. Jones, and I love Rufus. Rufus was a nice guy, <laughs> but Rufus, but Rufus was a big guy, and he was not in the best shape in the world. And to go an hour with Rufus, you've got to you've got to call the match, and you've got to carry the match for for you know. So, uh, I just uh, I admire these guys, and Harley was one of the best. He was one of the best. Oh, he absolutely. Was, he was uh, he was compassionate. He was kind to those that was around him and those that uh, that uh, uh, he knew. But he was also tough as nails, and uh, nobody messed with him. Well, and he he had a reputation for uh, you know sticking up for for everybody on the card from the you know the opening match to his opponent in the main event. You know he he. He treated everybody pretty much equally, right? And right. like I said, the one time I was around him, I was I was in awe. I mean, race to me was just like, you know, Danny Hodge and and Lou Fez. They were the, he was the epitome of what our business was about in the, in those days. And he just he he looked every bit of champion. He carried himself like a champion, you know. And the, and the the sad thing is, you know, as as good as he was, and as and you know, as as greater uh wrestlers he was and, and could work with anybody and make anybody look good. I mean, the man worked an hour Broadway with George Goulas in Nashville, Tennessee, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing that, you're doing something. So, but, <laughs> but you know, somebody like that could come along now, regardless of, of how much talent they had, and he wouldn't even get a second look because aesthetically he doesn't look, you know, the way everybody yeah. thinks a wrestler should look, you know. Right. It's a shame. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But it was a, it was a different conditioning then, you know, as to what we all had to do back then. Um, you know, I, I tell people I could work an, uh, an hour Broadway, but I couldn't run across the street without blowing up. It's just a, it was a different type of shape that you had to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just totally different altogether. Yeah, and and you know the. Like I say, and this is this is you know Hardy Hardy's Hardy didn't go to the gym every day. He uh, he was you know he he just developed this this stamina, and he and like I said, he had he had he had a slow, steady pace. Everything he did meant something, and uh, you know he he did some things that were uh, he came up with a couple of moves that was kind of you'd never seen anybody do before, something like that. He. <laughs> He did that headbutt off the top rope, you know. Uh, that was a. Uh, I've wondered. I, I read about and I, th- I hear about all these guys in the football league complaining about concussions. I wonder how many times Harley hit that man a little too hard yeah. uh, doing that headbutt thing. So you know, uh, it was a. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was a different era, different, different. Style of working, and uh, uh, I hate it's gone because it was what I grew up enjoying. And and uh, you know, thinking thinking back to all the world champions I had the privilege of seeing over the years, wasn't in the ring with all of them, but uh, you know, they were all uh, Dory Funk Jr., Luthez, Gene Kanitsky, which gets overlooked a lot of times. Uh, they could all do it. 
They yep. all do it, and Absolutely. they did it night after night after night. Yep. Well, since it doesn't look like Jerry's going to call in, and I can't get uh, get in touch with Les, I think we're going to we're going to leave it at that and uh, call okay. this one short. I apologize, everybody, for the for the issues we've had. I've got to get over here and mourn the Braves. They're they're behind like eight to nothing at this point. So, <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> the Falcons are they're either close to being tied or they may even be up. I'm just kind of keeping one eye on it. Um, I tell you, Mike, if we if we get these issues done, maybe uh, maybe I know we don't normally do it, but maybe we will give this a shot again next week. Uh, I would like to get Les on here and Les's perspective. Uh, I uh, get Jerry back, and uh, I can give you a report on what goes yeah, on. We Sunday also uh, maybe able to get George uh, Shiner in because uh, he was yeah he'll be back Monday yeah. in the. Uh, in the uh, when Harley and Larry Hennig with the top dog. That would be yeah, and, and a lot of people yeah. don't know about that. I, I know very little about that run up yeah, there. Okay. Of course, I I had the privilege to see them two kind of interact a little bit in Las Vegas a few years ago, but uh, uh, you know Harley had uh, Harley's health had deteriorated and his his memory wasn't what it used to be. And uh, but him and him and Henning, it was like uh, when they were together, it was a there was a, a spark of magic there. So. Yeah, I'd love, yeah. To, love to hear that, imagine. too. All righty. Well, uh, just uh, keep an eye out on our Facebook page, and uh, I'll uh, let everybody know what uh, what our plans are, either, you know, maybe next week or week after, whenever we can get all these bugs worked out and get everything back on track, get everybody back online, and uh, we'll get together and do it again then. Yeah, again, if, if anybody has anything they can uh, – uh, financially help with or, or, or donate toward uh, the Sandy and Don Wright thing uh, this Sunday night, uh, please reach out to me on Facebook and I'll uh, or private message me on Facebook and I'll, I'll definitely tell you how to how to handle that. And uh, uh, hope everybody has a great week. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.